Good morning. Welcome again to New Hope Chapel's Sunday morning service. I welcome those that are we're, we're live streaming, so I welcome you out in space, wherever you happen to be. I don't quite understand how that all works, but I'm thrilled that others are hearing the word. And this morning, the title of my sermon is simply Grace. And my text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. I'm utilizing the NIV. It's, it's such easy reading. But as I generally do, please pray with me as I pray through Psalm 1914. And so, dear Lord, this morning let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, it is known as the most exclusive club in the entire world. And the name of this club is the Richmond's International Millionaires Club. And if you are blessed enough to be awarded a membership card, you'll get VIP admission to the most exclusive yacht clubs, jockey clubs, country clubs, golf clubs, ski resorts, hotels, and restaurants in the entire world. You get a global servants, a 24-hour problem resolution service, and a $1 million credit line. It's exclusive. You know, there are only 100 charter corporate platinum memberships in this earth. Now, back in the days of Jesus, there was another exclusive club, and it was known as the Pharisees. It was a big deal to be invited to dine at the house of a Pharisee. We're going to look at a party this morning that a Pharisee threw for Jesus. And it turns out to be one of the greatest pictures of grace and one of the things that made Jesus so magnetic to so many people. So turn with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Again, I'm using the NIV, but ultimately it probably doesn't matter. See, we are in a sermon that, that I'm calling Grace. And it is based on the fact that Jesus was described as being a man full of grace and truth. And frankly, today, there is too often an imbalance, both in the church and in the culture, between grace and truth. I want our church to be balanced. I want to be balanced, to be able to speak the truth with grace. And today, we're going to talk about the Jesus full of grace. Interestingly, did you know that Jesus never said the word grace? Jesus oozed grace, but he never talked about it. In fact, the word grace appears only four times in the Gospels, and Jesus never used it. By the way, something else that Jesus never said to an individual, and that was, I love you. I don't have any doubt that he loves us, because he showed it. On the cross, he wrapped his arms around the entire world and he gave an eternal big, I love you. Jesus never used the word grace, but he showed it at this party. Our text, Luke seven thirty six, our first verse states, 
When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. You know, honored special guests reclined at a table. All others reclined on floor mats. And it has been pointed out that there is a lot of humor in this one verse. Think about this. A party hosted by a Pharisee. That's an oxymoron. A Pharisee's party? No DJ, no punch, no dancing, and definitely no pigs in a blanket. Can't wait to go to that party. Now the guest list was most impressive. Important men of the synagogue would be there. Simon, one of the leading Pharisees, was giving a blowout gig because Jesus was the headliner. Everybody wanted a ticket. They wanted to see this young Galilean who overnight had developed the largest tweeter following in Israel. Everywhere he went, crowds mobbed him. People would sit at his feet for hours to listen to him. And he is coming to this Pharisee's party. Now what you need to to read is to understand when you read this, we're going to show you that Jesus was full of grace and why Jesus is so amazing. First, consider that grace receives us in our sin. Now the party's going well and everyone seems to be having a good time. Jesus is relaxed and all the secondary guests are reclining on the floor eating, which is the way it was done back in those days. All of a sudden, all talking stops. Every eye in the room is focused on one thing. It's on a super awkward moment. Here is a room that is filled with religious leaders, churchgoers, and keepers of self-righteousness. Because of a woman, but not just a woman, but what she did made chins bounce off the floor all over this room. And so our text, Luke 7, 37 to 38, states, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Literally, it says she was a sinner. More to the point, she was a streetwalker, a prostitute. In every way imaginable, she came from the wrong side of the tracks. She was in the lowest of the low social and moral category. That was the culture of her day. The sinful trifecta was to be either a tax collector, a shepherd, or a prostitute. Now, she may have been corrupt. She may have been carnal, but she was not a coward. She was walking into a lion's den of people who were 180 degrees different from what she from what she was, and they're ready to eat her alive, but no one and nothing was going to stop her from seeing Jesus. Everything she had been taught, everything that had been told to her was that she was not welcomed, not only in this house, but particularly in the presence of a holy man, a prophet, a teacher like Jesus. Nobody had to tell her what she was. She knew what she was. 
But there is an obvious assumption here that this woman had seen Jesus before. She had listened to Jesus before. She had watched Jesus before. And evidently what he said in the manner with which he said it had changed her life radically. Now the first time she ever heard Jesus speak, she heard words that never had been heard by her before. And though he never used the word, she heard it clearly. Grace. When he walked by, she smelled grace. When she looked at him, she saw grace. When she touched him, she touched grace. And though everything and everyone in that room was screaming out loud, not welcome, Jesus had welcome. Jesus had a smile upon his face. He didn't look at her with lust. He looked at her with love. And what was on his mind was not her guilt, but his grace. But what happens next was more shocking. She begins to weep uncontrollably, and a river of tears is falling on the feet of Jesus. She undoes her hair and begins to wash his feet with her hair. She begins to kiss his feet, and then she pours an alabaster perfume on his feet. Can you say awkward? Jesus is throwing all caution to the wind, caring no more what people say about her or how they look at her. You see, in those days, women always wore their hair up. For a woman to wear her hair down in front of a man that was not her husband, it was considered to be such an intimate expression of sexual temptation. It was grounds for divorce. And as you know, there are even parts of the Middle East today where that is true. Then this prostitute dares to touch Jesus and to kiss his feet. The cultural standards of the day would have expected Jesus to be embarrassed, to recoil, to dress her down, for even daring to touch him. But her act of love is met with an act of grace. By now, Simon has seen enough, heard enough, and has had enough. Our text, Luke 7, 39, states, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of a woman she is. She is a sinner. We're going to see that Jesus was well aware that this woman was a sinner. He knew exactly what kind of woman she was and what kind of sinner she was. What is tragic is that Simon did not realize the real problem. The problem was not that she was a sinner and Jesus didn't know it. The problem was that Simon was a sinner and he didn't know it. Why do people think that sin disqualifies us from the grace of God? Let me let you in on a little secret. Sin is the only thing that qualifies us for the grace of God. You don't give up your sin and then receive God's grace. You receive God's grace, and then you have the power to give up your sin. Grace receives us in our sin. Second, grace rescues us from our sin. 
Jesus then gives a scathing indictment of Simon. Our text, Luke 7, 44 to 47 states, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. To understand how Simon was just called on the carpet, you have to go back to the culture of the day. In the Middle East then, Hospitality was a big deal. See, they knew what Southern hospitality was long before there was a South. There is tension in that room, not just of what just did happen, but of what had not happened. When Jesus entered the house, all of the traditional courtesies that any honored guest would expect were absent. The customary greedy for an honored guest would be to have a kiss on one or both cheeks. To refuse to kiss someone was, in effect, to ignore and insult them. And then the honored guest would be seated on stools around a U-shaped couch. All others reclined on floor mats. Before a meal was eaten, the hands and the feet would be washed with a mixture of water and olive oil. To honor such guests, you would wash their feet and hands. And if you didn't want to, you would have a servant do it. It had to be done before you ate a meal. Or you would be considered unclean, but there had been no washing of his feet or hands. There had been no kissing of his face. He has actually been treated rudely and had every right to have gotten angry, turned around, and walked out the door. Again, here's the irony. Even though they showed him no grace, he showed them all grace. Now let's go back to when this woman began crying. She was crying for two reasons. On the one hand, she realized she was a sinner and felt as though she were not worthy to be in the presence of Jesus. On the other hand, she realized that everybody else in the room wasn't worthy to be in his presence either. And she saw how they humiliated and rejected him. See, I believe this woman was crying first for gladness, for the way Jesus had treated her, but also for sadness, for the way they had treated him. Now, Jesus did something else that is really shocking when you give it a thought. I don't want you to miss the irony of what is going on here. Remember, Simon is a Pharisee. He is a biblical scholar. He has spent his life studying the scriptures. By the time he was 12 years old, he had memorized the first 12 books of the Old Testament. By the time he was 15, he had memorized the entire Old Testament. So therefore, he had memorized more than 300 prophecies about the Messiah who was to come. But yet, 
He doesn't realize that the one who is sitting at his table with unwashed feet and an unkissed face was this very same Messiah. The one who should have recognized Jesus didn't. And the one who shouldn't have recognized Jesus did. Do you know the difference? Simon wanted to put Jesus in his place. The woman wanted to thank Jesus for his grace. And then Jesus says these stinging words to Simon. Again, Luke 7, 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Notice what Jesus was saying. This woman did not wash Jesus' feet, nor did she kiss his feet, hoping to receive forgiveness. She did it because she had been forgiven. She didn't know the word grace, but she had experienced the power of grace. And then with Jesus' next word, Luke 7, 48, the drop mic occurs, and he says to her, your sins are forgiven. A simple sentence of four words, then an eternal life changer. Words a lowly, cheap, street-walking prostitute thought she would never hear. But she heard it from the one who could mean it and make it stick. That's what grace does. It doesn't just receive us in our sin, but it rescues us from our sin. And so whenever you hear those words, your sins are forgiven, that is grace talking. And third, consider that grace releases us from our sin. Let's go to this little parable that Jesus told, which really is a key to this story. But Simon didn't, wouldn't know what hit him. It allowed Jesus to put him in his place. So look with me to Luke 7, chapter, uh, four, verses 40 to 43. It states, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. Jesus continues. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now the story is simple. There were two men who owed a debt. One man's debt was ten times the other man's debt. But the truth is, neither one could pay off the debt. What Jesus was saying to Simon, he is saying to all of us, there may be people out there that are ten times the sinners. And we may think that we are ten times better than those people out there. And the truth is, not only are we all sinners, but we are all spiritually bankrupt. We owe a sin debt we can never pay off. So if you are a pope or a pastor or a prostitute, a pornographer, when it comes to sin, we are all bankrupt. We are all broke. Now she could see her sin. Simon couldn't see his. 
In the mirror, she saw how bad she was. But when Simon looked in the mirror, he saw how good he was. Listen, the worst thing we can teach people is that they can be good without Jesus. The fact of the matter is, God doesn't offer grace to good people any more than doctors offer life-saving surgery to healthy people. Never believe anything about yourself or of a God that makes God's grace to you seem less than amazing because that is exactly what it is. It is one thing to think you don't deserve grace by the way you don't. It is another thing to think you don't need grace by the way you do. Two people at this party could not have been more different. Everybody looked up to Simon. Everybody looked down on her. He was a respected church leader. She was a scorned streetwalker. He made a living teaching the law. She made a living breaking the law. He was respected. She was rejected. But they were both sinners who equally needed grace. It is only when you see your goodness is worthless that you will see God's grace as priceless. You will never see how great a Savior Jesus is until you see how great a sinner you are. So what is the next step? What should you do in light of this message? What is your next step? Let me encourage you. Take a moment and start seeing things differently. Specifically, three things. First, see yourself the way you really are. Just like everybody else, a sinner in need of grace. Two, see others the way they are. No worse than you, no better than you. Just sinners in need of grace. And third, see Jesus the way he is. Always full of grace that we all fully need. Now listen to how this story concludes. Luke chapter 7 verses 49 to 50 state, The other guests begin to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today as then, Jesus made it plain that both lawmakers and lawbreakers are equally in need of grace and forgiveness. And that is true of liberals or conservatives, straight or gay, once married or thrice divorced, an alcoholic or a teetotaler, Righteous or unrighteous, good or bad, religious or not. You know, we are never told what this woman's name was. And I don't know what it was before she met Jesus. But I have a feeling of what it was after she met Jesus. I think her name was Grace. Amen. Service is ended. Go and live the truth with grace. Everyone in the, is in the same boat in a storm. 
just some are wearing life jackets of grace. Worship and thank the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for we owe it all to that one true God. Amen.